This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men in Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's unbelievable! From the Embassy Row Studios in the crap part of Soho, <sighs> and from the crappiest part of my bedroom in the crap part of Bridgehampton Rogers, the Men in Blazers podcast. We're back! Ugh. We're back in New York from DC, our nation's capital, Dave. Oh, I'm so hungover, Rog. Oh, I'm still hungover from DC. You are. We were in your favourite building in the world, right, Dave? The British... I love the British Embassy. Oh, Embassy Row, Washington DC. What a building. Lutyens is only building in the new world, Rog. What a fine building it is. What a fine establishment. So welcomed by the British ambassador, Rog. I understand you more when I watch you just perambulate in the grounds, the beautiful gardens of the British Embassy. You're more, you're more puffy of chest, more, more jagged of chin. Oh, Sir Kim Darrick, proper Chelsea fan, the current ambassador, great friend yeah. of the pod. I think he only has four more years to huh. his tenure. Just saying. But the whole show that we did at the Embassy, this is our second annual inauguration uh, Washington, D.C. at the British Embassy will air on NBC Sports this Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern time. It was it was a beautiful show, genuinely an honour to share the stage with so many remarkable guests. But I did have an idea while we were up there on stage with the ambassador, your ambassador, the British yeah. ambassador, Sir Kim. <laughs> he, he, was, he was talking about <laughs> okay Roger I'll let you let you keep on doing it yeah, I've not I've, I mean, I've not seen your child and burned British passport yet it's okay <laughs> we can't erase the tears you cried on that stage in Boston when England were eliminated from the World Cup but okay my ambassador Sir Kim he was talking about how the Premier League has become sincerely become one of the United Kingdom's greatest exports up there with Downton Abbey and I guess pies. He didn't talk about pies, but they're always, yeah. I mean, it, the pie industry, it's always been. I mean, the empire is built on pies. And you and I had the same thought at the same time, didn't we? We thought of all of our listeners who started to go over and sample a game in person. Like, there's not a single big game that occurs in the Premier League without one of you GFOP sending over a patch at the park over Twitter of our patch at the Emirates or our patch at the Etihad or, or Goodison or Anfield. And we both thought, what if we, Rog and Davo, Men in Blazers, producer JJ, producer Jonathan Williamson, what if we took over a thousand GFOPs <laughs> to England at the same time for a weekend of games en masse? We could charter your plane, Davo. Yeah, it's tough to find a plane that will take a thousand people, Rog. So I think we've got to, we've got to whittle down the number a little bit. And I love the idea of a thousand Standing room only on the plane. A thousand, a thousand go flying New York to Manchester. They make them stand up on that flight in coach. How many people fit on a big plane? Yeah, they go FedEx cargo. (laughs) I don't know. I think the biggest jumbos probably carry 400 plus. Let's do 400 plus. High 300s. Let's do 400 plus. Don't you think it would just a joyous, what a joyous event that would be for celebrating the special relationship. And by special, I don't want to go to Old Trafford. I don't want to like watch Chelsea Arsenal or anything. You, you, your idea was let's keep it real, right? You want to go to Burnley? You want to go we're to Burnley? Yeah, we're we're gonna go. We're gonna go and take out half the Dave Fishwick stand. Rob. <laughs> it will be it will be amazing. We're gonna we'll literally land, drive straight to Burnley, and yeah. at the end, 
drive straight back to the airport and fly back. Also, on the plane, I want a GFOP flying it. I want a GFOP co-pilot. Graham Scarborough is a token pilot. Maybe he could fly. Maybe he <laughs> could fly the plane. Not if according it... to producer Jonathan Williamson's father. He's not a top <laughs> one pilot. That was the highlight of DC, watching JW's former Air Force pilot father just taking out the Navy's Graham Scarborough, just talking down to him. Just so much bants between those two pilots. Well, let's get them both to fly the plane. Let's heal. Let's make peace okay. happen. They can fly. GFOPs who can fly, plus GFOPs who have planes, yeah. email us. Maybe we'll do a whole squadron. Maybe it'll be like Dunkirk, where they just did a flotilla of boats and just a tiny little boats and big boats <laughs> and military boats. <laughs> Maybe every GFOP who has a plane. We don't care. We don't care whether it's a big one, do we, Dave? If you're listening, no, Spielberg. No, no, wait a minute. We do. Dunkirk is not a great reference. Well, no, but like, the, the, no, I don't mean the planes. I mean the, more the boats, you know, like um, like the tiny yeah. little boats went over, the big boats went over. And we, we, why don't we just mount a whole mission where we just take over whatever planes GFOP? Movies can muster. We'll because fly them all over like a like a squadron, and we'll land them at Huddersfield International Airport. We'll put take that into ways. Huddersfield International Airport. We'll all just agree to land. Rog, I hate to break this to you. I hate to come at you with science, but little planes yes. couldn't fly across the Atlantic. There's no way they could do that. So it's either got to be GFOPs who own jumbo jets or yeah. maybe Global Explorers can make it. And yeah. By the way, if there are any GFOPs who own Global Explorers, please uh, write to me. Um, I'll give you my personal email. Let's that. stop off. Let's stop off in Iceland then. We'll have a little bit of Iceland itinerary. We'll go and watch my my glorious Throtter, my favourite Icelandic league club. Okay, that's it. Take the football field. Like that. But that's it. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to all meet. Type into Waze, Huddersfield International Airport. Land your planes there on mass. We'll organise the tickets. And then, yeah. where are we going to sleep? We can all crash at the Andre Yedlin's place. We could. Yeah. We could. I'd love to hear from GFOPs who are flight attendants. Yep. potentially, or could help in with the check-in process, baggage handling. I'd like to make this flight as, as much as possible a complete GFOP flight from, from start to, to finish. I do, yeah. I, I do love that idea of just a thousand GFOPs sleeping at DeAndre's pad. I think I love it. <laughs> I Genuinely, I don't like to speak for DeAndre. If you want to come on this trip, which I think is going to be a bit like Operation Overlord, but bigger. Just email us, hashtag MIB Operation Overlord. Um, yeah. And uh, it's going to be like Operation Overlord, in fact, but involve more beer and more pies. Oh, this is this is a good one. My nipples are tingling. This is a good one. Who's with me? Wasn't Overlord the invasion of France? I can't remember which <laughs> one that was. I, this is a fantastic idea. I think that what we're really saying to GFOPs is you've got to tell us what role are you going to have on the trip? Yeah. What what job do you want to have? We've got to like get everybody there. We've got to feed people. We've got to probably clothe some of them. We've got to like we've got to have transportation experts, logistics experts, people yep. who can lead everybody in song. It's essentially like a potluck dinner party, which I always exactly. try to avoid because I don't. I'm a bit allergic to Tupperware, but the um, <laughs> but it's a potluck trip. It's Operation Overlord if it was if it was a potluck. That's essentially yeah. what you, oh, I'm so into this, Dave. And yeah. to be candid. A lot of you do not know, like, the power of GFOP Nation. When, do you remember when we tried to buy Everton Football Club? Do you remember those yeah. days when everyone pitched in and people pitched in $5, $10? Essentially, you GFOPs pitched in so much money, we had too much money to buy Everton Football Club, so we didn't buy it. Um, but this is, this is going to be a ripple muscle. We are doing this. A thousand GFOPs going to a game. Burnley, if you're listening, and yeah, the problem is going to be where do we put, where do we jam them in? Who can fit a thousand Americans? What 
All in a hotel? No, I mean at a stadium. There's not many Premier League stadia that have like, yeah, sure, bring a thousand people. Oh, the Etihad. Yeah, <laughs> we can probably we can probably figure it out, Rog. This is it, Dave. Yeah, Men in Blazers, Rog, from the British Embassy, the show we did there, is being made into a television special for NBCSN. It's going to air this Sunday, September 2nd, at 2 p.m. Eastern time, right after your film, Rog, promoted Fulham by Roger Bennett. It's a good one. Season two of The Promoted, with a beautiful interview with uh, Ryan Sessegnon, who's just, oh, makes me think I wasted my own youth, just turned 18. Yes, Rog, you wasted your youth compared to Ryan Sessegnon, there's no <laughs> doubt about it. We have a pack show. We're going to marvel at Tottenham's 3-0 shellacking of Man United God. and the surreal... SNL-esque Jose Mourinho news conference that followed. We taught new boys Wolves earning a point off defending champs Man City. It was a shock. Plus, Rog launches the hashtag free Richardson movement <laughs> after the Brazilian was sent off in Everton's draw at Bournemouth. So no, the football, Rog? No justice in football, Dave. But I want to raise my second first bud of the day to the memory of John McCain, an American war hero, complicated human being, aren't we all? A maverick. He made some great decisions, like all of us, some less great. But I want to raise a glass to his memory because I don't think we're going to see the like of him again. Uh, and I want to read his sign off, I mean, which I found incredibly moving, especially as a new American. Uh, is incredibly powerful, is beautiful, I would say, farewell statement that was released after his death. He finished it by saying, Ten years ago, I had the privilege to concede defeat in the election for president. I want to end my farewell to you with the heartfelt faith in Americans that I felt so powerfully that evening. I feel it powerfully still. Do not despair of our present difficulties, but believe always in the promise and greatness of America, because nothing is inevitable here. Americans never quit. We never surrender. We never hide from history. We make history. Courage, David, and courage to the McCains. Courage to America. Great man. Uh, okay, let's go to the football, Rog. Man United, nil. Tottenham, three. This is a result I can barely believe. A Monday night football clash <laughs> that would have made Hank Williams Jr. proud. After a frenetic, frenzied first half, Spurs hit three times post-intermission, Harry Kane started the scoring in the 50th minute with a towering header. Brazilian Lucas Moura added a second 133 seconds later and a third in the 84th minute to keep Spurs perfect on the season. The defeat, Rog, is Jose Mourinho's biggest ever at home as a manager and comes on the heels of last week's shock loss at Brighton and Hove Albion. I am still tingling after watching this with you, Dave. I mean, this was epic. This was almost like Homer or Virgil would have written about this game, a conflict which at its heart was really a battle between two men, but really two ways of looking at life. Pochettino, Mourinho, an optimist, a pessimist, two managers who didn't bring in what they wanted in terms of reinforcements this summer. One got on with it. The other appears to have found a book of matches and a jerry can of oil and just decided to burn the whole place down to go kind of like full carry. And we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But sticking with the game, I mean, from the off, it was breathtaking. You never really knew what was going to happen next. It was like reading an Elmore Leonard novel. It was just full of kind of like back bar characters, big dreams, gritty realities, bludgeonings. 
It was frenetic. It was scrappy. It wasn't always good football, but it was just eye-popping, energising, fair. United, they took the field with a team with six changes and 11 men who seemed to have been sent onto the field with a rocket put up their asses by Jose Mourinho. And Spurs looked rusty at the beginning, shorn of that attacking potency, that rhythm. But at the same time, United were playing with an openness that quite honestly was the opposite of what you really think of as Mourinho football. Indeed, exactly. this is what exactly. I want to ask you, David, because you are my Mourinho expert. Mourinho in that first half was the opposite of what you associate with Mourinho. He was like what J-Dubs called him, like full of his upbeat shtick on the sideline, trying to be lighter than air, smiling, grinning, laughing. Ha, ha, ha. And I find, Davo, happy Jose is the darkest, most twisted Jose, the tears of a clown Jose, the tragic side of comedy where only pain lives Jose. I'm just always slightly freaked out by chuckles mode Jose. You're so right, (laughs) Rog. It's surprising. You think of the way that Jose would normally go and play a big team at Old Trafford. Yeah. And he would, he'd take like Herrera, he'd take like a Rojo, he'd take a Fellaini, and he would shackle that team's best attacker. He would make it impossible for them to go and play their football. Strangle the game. Strangle the game. Totally. That would be typical Mourinho. Instead, what he did on this game, for a game that he decided later that he both strategically and tactically won, he opened it up, played three at the back, played a different system. He had, like, Luke Shaw, Rog, bombing up and down the flank, getting forward, showing amazing speed. Great game, Luke Shaw. Great game. Brilliant game. It was just wide open. It just was not the way expected. And I've got to tell you, for a while, I thought, oh, my God, this is going to work. This is going to work. And when Romelu had that open goal, you're like, oh, my word. Like, Jose is proving all the critics wrong. Yeah, by the way, that, that was the most Jose Mourinho moment of the first half. Because Mourinho teams do what you said. They smother, but they're always coiled to prey on the inevitable mistake their opponents are going to make. They're always coiled for that moment. And that moment did come, and it was on 15 minutes. The Danny Rose lazy back pass, Romelu Lukaku, etted up. The big Belgian then rumbled in on a no doubt still heavily hungover Hugo Lloris, rounded him, and then did what a Mourinho team doesn't do, rolled the ball just agonizingly wide of the open goal. And from then on, it was just frenetic, robust stuff. It wasn't always skilled, often slappy, scrappy, but it was end-to-end, and you couldn't take your eyes off it. You and I chatted at halftime. It could have been 5-2 to United at halftime. It really could. But the tea leaves were in that, baked into that first half, because even when they were dominant, United still looked vulnerable. They seeded acres of space through the gut of the midfield. They were always open to the break. It was a harbinger of that second-half doom. And it was. I mean, that second half was. When I think about it, I still can't believe what we watched. We watched, at the same time, we watched Tottenham fan porn and a Manchester United snuff movie in equal measure because five minutes into that second half, he loves scoring in August, doesn't he, Dave? Harry oh, Kane. Well, that, well, he does now in August 2018, Rog. But remember, this is after the first five minutes of the second half. Luke Shaw with another amazing move down the left, almost like found a way to like score for United. And then then comes down the other end and Harry Kane scores a goal that I'm not sure there is another striker in the Premier League who could have scored. Not a spectacular goal, not a goal that will be up there for goal of the season, but that fadeaway jumper, that little holding himself in the air, finding the space. I mean, yeah, he was being defended by Phil Jones, but take that into, (laughs) like, put that to one side for a second. Just a brilliant, 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 audacious finish. I think Phil Jones at this point 
is like increasingly like a Premier League Sean Bradley. I think he's only in the team to be posterized. And within two minutes, 15 seconds, we never say this, David. We never say this. It would get worse for Manchester United and their three-men bat line. They all just stepped up in the sloppiest way to try and force an offside and were humiliated oh, by the charming little Ewok, our new friend. We love him. He's like the greatest dad bald in the Premier League. Lucas Moura, David. What an amazing game he had. How, like, the injection of pace that he <sighs> brings into Tottenham's front line. And joy, Phenomenal. And joy. He managed to run Herrera ragged on this play. He slipped him as a marker, then megged him, then kicked him in the shins and somehow left him to be flattened by a teammate all in the same play. And as I watched that, I realised that is where you can blame Mourinho because he picked Herrera who'd never played as a central defender on the right of a back three when Eric Bailly, Lindelof, Darmian were all available. It's almost like he was playing the game within the game against Ed Woodward. See, you wouldn't give me proper defenders. I'll play Herrera at the back. And at that moment, United were truly exposed on the field and politically off it. And the demeanour of everything changed. The United players were instantly filled with fear. They didn't want to be the scapegoat. They were no longer trying to win the game. It was just heads down. Mourinho kind of ripped off the happy mask to reveal the evil old witch that always lies underneath. The air was just sucked out of the stadium. You're getting sacked in the morning chants, rang out across Old Trafford. And because they're all in London accents, we didn't know whether it was Tottenham fans or Manchester United fans who were singing it. Lucas Moura, little dad bald, added a third. 34 million, that signing for him, which already seems a bargain. And the night suddenly just felt seismic, tragic. And kind of epic, David. We, we, we should talk about Spurs for a second, David, before we talk about the kind of peculiar, wonderful kind of Schadenfreude that one derives from watching Jose Mourinho just in deep third season failure mode. At the final whistle, we were both wide-eyed. We couldn't believe what we just witnessed. But your take was this was a seismic achievement for Spurs on the night. I felt like we actually learned more about Spurs than about Manchester United in this game. Because this was... I know it's crazy to say it when the game was 3-0, but this was actually quite a close game of football and it could have had a lot of results. And I think whoever scored first in this game, it was going to make a huge difference. But the manner with which Tottenham took this game, Rog, they stole this game. And once they'd stolen it, took it by the scruff of the neck and they just beat Man United's head against the concrete pavement again and again and again and again. <laughs> that was a ruthlessness and a strength. Remember this team who yeah. everybody, by yeah. the way, including me, had said they hadn't spent any money in the offseason. They don't feel like they've done enough. But my God, Tottenham played good football. You just look at man to man from Hugo Lloris through their central defenders, through their wide players on the flanks, through the centre of midfield to up front. They're just like, wow, man for man. Very tough. Not many individual matchups were lost. I'd say probably only Luke Shaw would have made the first 11 of the combined teams yesterday. That is a Spurs team who had Alderweireld, Dembele and Danny Rose, all of whom were one away during the summer, all of whom yeah. played their socks off uh, for this Spurs team. Huge win. I mean, they've got a humiliating record at Old Trafford. They lost all four games there, most of them not even close under Pochettino. And they handed out a smiting that, for me, was a serious symbol of their intent. We talk about City. We talk about Liverpool. This was no two-horse race this season is going to be. That was the statement they made. And I say after that night of glory, I bet most Tottenham fans would love to play all their home games at Old Trafford Mm. while the new stadium's getting ready. The only thing I don't understand about Spurs this season is that that home jersey 
with the blue fade on the bottom, which yeah. to me only serves to make the shorts look as if they're all yanked up like a granddad or Vincent Tan. It's it's a basic to me. It's a basic violation of a. It's a fashion faux pas. It's just a no no. Like wearing the same color socks as your shoes, which only makes them look like they go halfway up your ankle. I don't understand. Talking about fashion, skinny posh, rocking that <laughs> dark gray suit with the black shirt. I mean, skinny posh, Rog. I mean, he's dropped. I'm saying he's dropped like twenty twenty five pounds. He is looking good. You're talking about crew box potch. Crew box potch. Crew yeah. box. I, I like it. Turned up all in black because he, he was excited to attend Jose Mourinho's funeral. Jose's funeral, which I, I mean, I feel like we are fully in the death rattle of Jose United. Uh, I will say at the end of the night, it was fascinating to watch Mourinho at the final whistle. Normally just head right up the tunnel. Get me out of there. But on this night, he dragged himself over to the United faithful. Those that were left at the Stratford end picked up a scarf from the floor, which they'd thrown at his feet. He kissed it, playing to his base in a way which could be described as Trumpian. And and you saw there a man locked in a battle within the battle against United's executive vice chair, Edward Woodward, as his team just totally listed against the Spurs, who for the record had spent zero dollars. To me, Davo, United just seem, and and in the wake of this, seem shell-shocked. I mean, they're, they're so mortal now. They're so vulnerable. No one fears them. Watford and Burnley, who the two teams they face next, definitely won't fear them. Pogba post-game. It's bizarre. We were determined. We started well. In the end, we lost 3-0. It's just a shock. What is your take as Mourinho in a press conference that has been seen and seen and seen? I've watched it many times. Very short, very weird, surreal. Demanded respect, respect, respect. Jose Mourinho might have got the pre-match wrong, although I think the game was closer than the score suggested. I think his post-match was brilliant. You do? Brilliant, his post-match. For those that didn't see it, the key line he said, by the strategic point of view, we didn't lose. By the tactical point of view, we didn't lose. But we lost. What, what was brilliant to you, David? The, well, everything from the way he exited the ground, the point Lee Dixon made that was correct, like half of the fans had left at that point. Those were the half of the fans that were disgusted. You know, the people that were left were the more faithful, the more Mourinho faithful. And like the way he just got that visual image around the world and for the board to always remember that the board don't want it coming at them. The board want it going at him. They want it going at Mourinho. And it just was a genius what he did then. I thought his press conference was there was just enough truth. You and I looked at each other as he was saying it. We're saying he's not wrong. That was closer than the scoreline suggested. And they could have, when he said we should have been above by two goal margin at the end of first half, we looked at each other and we said, yeah, you know what? He's probably right. He gets just enough truth in, just enough truthiness, Rog, to sort of manage to pull it (laughs) off. So I think post-match he got it right. We can overreact to a team three games into the season. We really can. We can overreact. I know there's previous here. I know there's history with Jose in his third season. However, I'm still, I'm still not prepared to count Manchester United out. I'm still not willing to sign Jose Mourinho's death warrant. I feel like he still might last the whole season and he might bring this team back. And I think the one other point I'm going to make is that early on, we've seen that Chelsea-Arsenal game where those two teams went at each other. We've saw Tottenham and Man United where these two teams went at each other. There is just a chance this season, Rog, that the other sort of seismic shift we're seeing is we're going to go and see these big teams really go out and play football against each other again and not try to strangle the game. And 
that was a cracking game of football and I really, really enjoyed every second of it. He sounded to me like Wenger so often was against a Mourinho team where Wenger would often say, but we played the football, we dominated, we were great, but somehow we lost. And Jose Mourinho knows better than anyone because Jose is the man who pioneered anti-football at his best in his first Premier League spell. That the Premier League, it's a results game. At the end of the day, it's a results game. That is how he will be judged. And because of that, he is soon going to be gone. I mean, to me, to be candid, this day is one we all foresaw when he became manager at Manchester United, which always seemed like a panic move. I mean, Manchester United were the footballing gold standard under Sir Alex. Right now, they are football's commercial gold standard and by some distance. But from a footballing perspective, they've really morphed themselves into a a situation not unlike Chelsea, to be candid, a powerhouse with no real kind of long-term plan or long-term vision. They just lurch from one short-term hire and then a fire and then a managerial patch-up job to the next. Mm. To me, this moment is possibly the greatest test of the Glazer ownership. One, to be candid, I don't know if they're going to meet. But the great days of Sir Alex Ferguson that we witnessed and, and, and took for granted because they lasted for so long, they already feel as distant as the great days when fidget spinners ruled supreme. <laughs> Wolves won, Manchester City won. The new kid in class pips points from imperious Man City. The home side went ahead early in the second half when NBA small forward-sized Frenchman Willy Bully turned a teasing ball in with his right mitt. But the handball was not called, and the goal stood. City hit back through an Emmerich Laporte bullet header, but they couldn't muster a winner. Oh, Wolves, new, new money oh, against new money. Wolves are a fascinating club. I mean, we know them as a once English power who became almost like a Grey Gardens. I was there a couple of weeks ago, and I, I met uh, some players who played in the 90s who talked about what it was like to play at Molyneux when a whole side of the stadium was closed because it was condemned and there were just rat infestations all over that stadium. And then Chinese conglomerate Fosun, just an industrial behemoth, yeah. brought the club. And thanks to their investment and their relationship with Ronaldo's super agent, Jorge Mendes, they pumped a ton of cash into the club and essentially carved a slice of Portugal, the talented football apart, off the Iberian Peninsula and just dropped it down into the heart of the Midlands. They have got unbelievable footballers and they had many of them in the championship. Ruben Neves, Helder Costa, Rui Patricio has arrived in goal, Moutinho. I mean, this is, a, this is not just a good footballing side. It's a side that plays great football. They played their way through the elbows, mud and grind of the championship with fluid, ambitious passing football. And, and when you speak to, and I spoke to the guys at Run Fosun, they don't just want to stay in the Premier League. Their goal is to make real noise and start challenging. So this was a fascinating game for them. And then manager Nuno, who is a phenomenal tactician, a master of man management, a gentleman who's gone deep into the Champions League before. And that's what I saw in this game, Dave. I, I saw all of it starting to click, as well as a willingness to punch the ball into the net for an opening goal. Probably offside, also definitely handball. But <laughs> when things are going your way, they're going your way, Rog. Yeah, it was bolly. Best use of hands in sports since Dwight Clark, the catch. The fact that VAR exists and isn't yet incorporated into the Premier League, is that going to feel like the most farcical, degrading narrative all year, David? Oh, my word. I just don't understand it. You know, we share at 
Embassy Row, we share our floor with the guys from Hawkeye, who are the people who make VAR. It's a Sony-owned company. They're very good. They do the ins and outs in tennis. They do the goal line technology in the Premier League. They've got VAR ready to go. I have no idea why it's still not there in the Premier League. Yeah, so right now, a goal given is a goal. And for a moment, as I said on the TV show, it just felt like we were watching the most potent Wolves since Hugh Jackman. But City, they're like a military industrial complex who go to war with next generation weapons. They just chuck on laser weapon systems. They sub in hypersonic missiles and unmanned combat vehicles. And it was a fantastic goal. A beautiful, emphatic Laporte header that restored order. City hit the post three times in this game. But at the same time, I was really impressed with Wolves' composure and ability to hold on to a point. What will Pep take away from this, David? I mean, he always says that there's lessons a team can learn about themselves only through loss. To him, this is going to feel like a loss, right? And he's going to treat it as such. Well, look, if he hadn't got his players' attention early this season with sort of how well Liverpool and Tottenham have come out of the gates. And, I mean, Chelsea have nine points, but I don't think they're contending in the same way. Could be Watford might be up there by the end of the season, Roger. They've certainly got their attention now. They're two points behind. They're going to play a little bit differently now and they've got to take their chances i think massive massive lessons will be learned from this and starting at newcastle at the weekend watch out deandre we should say for la gfops if you're an la based gfop and you don't have a team or you're originally from los angeles wolves in the precursor to the nasl there was a wolves branded team associated with wolverhampton wanderers that played in los angeles i believe they played at the rose bowl I think they won it because when I was there, David, they're still so proud of winning this league that no one can remember in America. But the Los Angeles <laughs> Wolves, yeah. uh, God, they should do it again. If you're listening, Wolves, do it again. Do it again. Yeah. Man City have done it in New York. Make the Los Angeles Wolves live again. But your point is, if you are in Los Angeles without a team, welcome, yeah. welcome to Wolves, friend. Though. Liverpool won. Brighton and Hove, Albion, Rog, nil. A 23rd minute, Mo Salah, Exquisite goal, actually, separates Jurgen Klopp's mob from the Seagulls. More impressive than Liverpool's attack in this one was their defence, Rog, which registered a third straight clean sheet to keep them among the Premier League's perfect teams and top of the table for Joe Gomez, Virgil van Dijk, Rog, looking like proper centre-back partnership. Yeah, I mean, they, they, this game began as you thought it would, with Liverpool confident, whirring forward movement, just coordinated joy. There's like a, a petit Philippe perpetual calendar timepiece. And Brighton, wandering around with United's blood still fresh on their hands. Chris Hewton has got them playing organised, disciplined football, able to hold them at bay for 23 minutes. But Liverpool live to punish their opponents' breakdowns. And as soon as they grabbed it in midfield, they punished them in transition. Beautiful finish. He stroked the ball, placed it with supreme confidence, rolled it into the corner. 29th goal for the Egyptian king in 29 Anfield appearances. Those are like David Vera in MLS-like numbers. In this, in Mo Salah's goal came from a huge defensive mistake. I mean, Chris Hewton is not going to be happy with the way that goal was given away. I think they did very well. And it shows that Liverpool still do have some problems breaking down teams who just sit there back against them. They like to play on the counter. And Brighton and Hove Albion didn't really give them that chance. They are organised well, Brighton. But with Glenn Murray, the never balled as a lone striker, they, they really didn't threaten Liverpool much. And when he was called upon... Allison, oh, who you adore, David, with his dashing good looks. Well, he's named after an Elvis Costello song, number one. <laughs> one of my favourite Elvis Costello songs. By the way, your theory about Allison's parents being huge Elvis Costello fans will be borne out 
if he's, we find out he's got a brother who's called My Aim is True. Two things. Amazing stat. Liverpool, leaky, leaky Liverpool, have not conceded at Anfield since February, which is a remarkable statistic. But here they also showed they can win a game in which their opponents, organised opponents, thorough opponents, disciplined, well-drilled opponents, sat tight and said, break us down. Liverpool did and then conserved their energy and moved on. So in Devo language, Liverpool's title to lose, right? If they win out from here, it's all over, baby. Yeah, if it wasn't Watford's title to lose, Rog, it would be <laughs> Liverpool's title to lose. Okay, Rog, Newcastle won, Chelsea two. Oh, I'm almost yeah, falling asleep before I get into this game. Maurizio Sarri's men get their third win in a row. <sighs> Courtesy of an 87th minute DeAndre Yedlin own goal. The wonder strike came just minutes after the American-assisted Hosselu's game-tying header. But this game, Rog, ugly on both the inside and the outside. Like me. Like me. Yeah. It is, a lot like you. Are you really bored, David? I'll admit, for 75 minutes, Newcastle, mysteriously without Shelby and Lascelles, their two best players, kind of just made this a giant attack versus defence drill, a game at which Benitez's Newcastle always excel. And Chelsea kind of passed but forgot the, the move part of pass and move. They definitely struggled. But for you as a spectacle, you're Chelsea. Under Sarri, you're Sarri ball Chelsea. What emotions did you go through? I mean, Rog, you, you and I have been talking about football with each other for 12 years now, since 2006. You know a lot about the kind of football that I enjoy and a lot about the kind of football I don't enjoy. Yep. Maurizio Sarri's Chelsea, it's like watching a cover band play, but the band that they're covering are a band you don't even like in the first place. <laughs> I don't want an imitation Pep Guardiola team. I don't particularly enjoy watching Manchester City. I know that I seem like the greatest like Luddite in the world, but I don't particularly enjoy watching the short pass tiki-taka Barcelona game, the Spain game. I don't like that very much. It's just as a spectacle, I don't enjoy it. But I can really appreciate that Barcelona's version and Manchester City's version is, is genuine and superior and far more effective than this complete nonsense that Chelsea are doing you know, attempting to break the Premier League possession record for no apparent reason whatsoever. And not that I think that, you know, Newcastle deserve all that credit for how they're playing. I think they got way too much credit from the commentators for the way they were playing. If I'm a Newcastle fan, I can't stand the way that my team set out to go and play football as well. But that kind of football by Chelsea, that brings me no pleasure at all. Here's what I didn't understand about Chelsea. There was so much talent on that team, so much ability. But they're uncharacteristically for Chelsea, polite. I mean, Hazard, from the, within 50 seconds, started to take a kicking. He took a kicking all day. The real feature of the Premier League is how much the elite talents are headhunted right now with no one protecting them. But Chelsea, there was just no one on that field who was willing to fight fire with fire. I mean, I just missed, really missed Diego Costa, who I think would have scored twice uh, and had a red card within the first 25 minutes and then washed it all down with a glass of Chianti and fava beans. But no, but he wouldn't have had a red card, Rog, because he never got sent off. Yes. He was so good at not getting sent stats, off. That's genuinely an amazing statistic. Diego Costa, David and I were chatting about him, never got a red card for Chelsea. But that doesn't alter my imagination when he was constantly screwing hat-tricks and getting sent off within seven minutes against all comers. This game, boring until the 76th minute when it crackled into life. Hazard, slightly dodgy penalty, but he finished it well. I mean, it looked over the game, but not in the mind of one who anything is possible. An American, a young American. Yes, I'm talking about DeAndre Rizel Yedlin. 
the man whose floor a thousand of us are going to sleep on in a couple of weeks' time when we all go over. He knew there was no VAR, so he knew there was nothing to stop him, just elbowing Olivier Giroud in the chops. He's yeah. had it coming. And then he crossed for Hosselu to sucker punch Chelsea. It was shocking. GFOP Don Steele tweeted, meaty American forearm overpowers meaty French forehead. But the, there is a cosmic rule that says you can't maim beauty like that and go unpunished. And Yedlin wasn't done, was he, David? What happened within minutes? Uh, down at the other end, Rog, he just toe-pokes it into his own net. He scores when he wants, DeAndre, and he poked in at the back post. At Kick Puncher tweeted to say, elbow in the face, an assist, plus an own goal. That's an American hat-trick. I love me some American hat-trick. And I do, DeAndre, I know you listen. I want to thank you because you swallowed that humiliation to protect the world from the true horror that would have occurred if bloody Ross Barkley, who was right behind you, had received all the glory for the tapping that he would have got if you hadn't bunged the ball into your own net. So, DeAndre, thank you for dying that so we could all live through you. Justice done in the most slapstick way. Talking about justice and slapstick, Davo. Yes, Arsenal 3, West Ham 1, Rog. Unai Emery gets his first Premier League win despite falling behind in the 25th minute to a Marko Anatovic strike. Arsenal rebounded in short order via a goal from Pamplona's Nacho Monreal, a second-half own goal, and a Danny Welbs injury-time clincher. C, the red half of North London, collect their first points of the season. The Jack Wilshire Memorial Derby was a bit like a boxing match between two blokes who were 70% glass jaw, and it ended with a first win for Unai Emery. Not the most convincing 3-1 win of all time. Floor's still there. The weak gut, the shaky back line, the vulnerability on the counter. I feel like I'm reading from Arsene Wenger's Greatest Hits album, the songs on it, and the crazy high line that still plays higher than Vincent Tan's belt buckle. But few teams move from zero points to three with more noise than Arsenal Football Club. It's, to me, still an important symbolic moment that holds... The fans moaning at bay, even perhaps temporarily. West Ham, though, Dave, three games, three losses. And you just look at those Arsenal goals, Rog. West Ham players standing around, nowhere near. You rarely see players with that much space. Danny Welbeck had, like, minutes to control the ball, turn around, have a look around, decide which foot <laughs> he wanted to finish with and decide where he wants to go well, and put it into the net. It they, was they, crazy. Left, they left Welbs open, like in the NBA, they left the centre way, way out and dared him to take a three-point shot. They like to Welbs, you're two feet out, you're never going to score from there, we dare you. And dare them he did. They are perpetually in transition. We had James Corden on the show talking about the pain and joy and suffering and love of supporting West Ham. I just say, don't trust the process, West Ham fans. It is... It just does not get any easier for you. The LA Wolves visit, and then there's games against Everton, Manchester United, and Chelsea. Seven games in, you're looking ahead. And this could be, this could very easily be your first clubbing crisis. We've got to quickly talk about Meza Ozil, Dave, the distressed asset, Meza Ozil, missing because of illness, didn't train. Arsenal told the press he was ill. Rumours got out that he, he had an argument and he wasn't making himself available. I'm not a doctor, but I do believe Mesut Ozil's illness, Davo, is that he's sick of Arsenal. And he's sick of being told that he's not trying hard enough, mostly because he's not trying hard enough. <laughs> it's this just very hard. whole story reminded me of an Irish friend I had at university, Maurice, who, who had hepatitis, had it really bad. And after three days of just awful suffering, he called his mum for some sympathy and he called her up on loudspeaker and he goes... Ma, I'm sick, Ma. And his mother was like this great old Irish battle axe, and she just goes, I'm thick too, Morris. 
I'm sick of your moaning. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Watford two, Crystal Palace one, Rog. The Orns make it three from three. Former Juventus man Roberto Pereira's third goal in as many games started the scoring in the 53rd minute. Great goal that. GFOP, Billy Zane's favourite Premier League player, <laughs> Jose Holobas, added a second veer of phenomenal crot. Wilfred Zaha pulled one back, but it's not enough for Roy Hodgson, Rog, to get one over on his nemesis, Harry the Hornet. Oh, I did love, that was the headline before the game. Roy Hodgson warns disgraceful Harry the Hornet over diving antics. Story which producer J-Dub said read like a Men in Blazers piece of fan fiction. <laughs> Watford, though, we've got to raise a beer to them. This season's Burnley in the early running, bringing it with real collective spirit in a feisty game. Uh, a willingness to also kick the crap out of Will Saha doesn't hurt. And that dream of a perfect Watford season that we've all dreamt about, it lives on. Three games, three wins, nine points, and Spurs await this weekend. Yeah, they can't stand Wilfred Zaha at Watford. Uh, just so many previous crimes, Rog. Okay, <laughs> Fulham 4, Burnley 2, a six-goal thriller. Sees my godson Gabriel's favourite side, SWAT, Joe Hart's new mob away from Brian McBride country. Two goals from Serb Alexander Mitrovic in this one, Rog. First win for Fulham. Fulham, the second series of my show, promoted debut Sunday 1.30. With great interviews with Jacksonville Jags owner Shad Khan. American captain Tim Ream, the loveliest man I've ever met in football. And did I mention impressive young phenom Ryan Sessegnon? Yeah. Full America. Saf, Hampton won, Leicester two. The Saints actually took the lead via a 52nd minute Ryan Bertram thumper. But a Damari Gray goal and a second yellow for Pierre-Emile Holberg for diving precipitated a change in the title chart on the South Coast. In injury time, it was the Hobbs to Jamie Vardy's Calvin, Harry Maguire. Who scored the winner. Oh, Slaphead. Oh, slaphead, possibly the most. And correct me if I'm wrong, listeners. Is this the most British nickname that's ever been coined outside of a Guy Ritchie movie? I, I've, I've been thinking about Slaphead, which is how you say it. You don't say Slaphead. I think it's probably just Slaphead. I think the best nicknames have hard consonants so you can spit them out. And the joy of Slaphead is it's got two. We should say Jamie Vardy, Rod. He's just announced his retirement from international duty. This says nations around the world are going to be short of the, of the joy of seeing Jamie Vardy drink their local beers on the coach or on the plane. You can't find me if I quit. Huddersfield nil, Cardiff nil, a turgid affair in which the only highlight was Cardiff's neon ultra music festival inspired away kit. Huddersfield get their first point of the season and Cardiff get their second. Yeah, they're yet to get a goal. The only team in English professional football who haven't made a big boy goal, Cardiff City. Brace yourself, Cardiff. Arsenal, Chelsea and Manchester City are now away. Oh, it is a tough, tough start. Damn you, Premier League scriptwriters, giving the very generous and lovely Neil Warnock such a brutal gauntlet for the first phase of the season. Bournemouth 2, Everton 2, Rog. Rich Arlison gets red carded. Could have killed a man, Rog. Everton go two goals up, then concede two. All of this happened in the span of about an hour. This one... Had me a little worried about you, to be honest, Rog. Should have done, mate, because just to put into context, hashtag free Richarlison, this man so quickly has become just the centrifugal force in my life, just the bedrock, <laughs> the, the values. The, like, I marched behind his banner. I would go to it on a crusade if Richarlison decided we should go on one. He's like, if Mother Teresa and Joan of Arc like, spawned an offspring, that, to me, is Rog Arlison in my eyes. Three games in, he's just our child leader, Dave. 
He's our talisman. He's our hope. He's our confidence. He's our sword and our shield. So this was dark for me, Dave, because he's also a player that thrives on emotions. And, and it was, it was a degrading battle against local wind-up merchant Adam Smith. Like if you watch the game, you could see it building and building. And the second he did that football thing, why do you do it, footballers, where you just place your head against your agitator's head? The violence level was really Logan Paul KSI fight. But when two footballers put their heads together, it's like ACDC, right? Dirty it's a bit. challenge. It's a challenge. It's like going back to sort of our primordial. There must be something primordial when we were all apes, Rog, that we just, when, <laughs> when, when one sort of Neanderthal puts his head up against another Neanderthal, you yep. immediately, you have to headbutt each other. That's how it all kicks off. Yeah, it's just like, a lightning force just crackles through their foreheads and Adam Smith recoiled in pain. Dirty, dirty cherries. Red card, listen. To me, watching Red Cardlison's three-game art is like Everton's entire season trapped into three games. But then oh, things got religious. I'm not a religious man, by and large, not a spiritual man, a soulful man. But reduced to 10 men in such an awful, crass a way devoid of justice. Everton stepped up first Theo, our young knight. Oh, he's one for the future, scores. And then the Ramos-like Smith, English Ramos, Adam Smith, saw red himself for a last-man foul. And honestly, I dropped to my knees. Dogzo, dogzo. Yeah, dogzo, 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 dogzo. I love, did you listen to the... Yeah, dogzo, dogzo, dogzo. so excited. Look at this clip, if you've not seen it, that David's referring to. It's NBC have got footage of a referee in the FA Cup final, David. How would you describe it? It's astonishing. It's the conversation between the assistants and the refs. And during the breakaway, before the foul is even committed, the assistants are yelling out dogs out, dogs out, dogs out, dogs out, which stands for denial of a goal scoring opportunity. Yeah, in the ref's and ear as he's running behind Phil Jones. Before the foul has happened. Dogs out, dogs out, dogs out. That's a referee for 90 minutes. He's getting that in his ear. But back to this game. Dogs out, dogs out. <laughs> when Everton went 1 0 up and then Smith got his justice, I did. I, I dropped to my knees, rent my new Umbro Rod and jersey that I was wearing. And I thought, oh, there is a God, and she's a blue. But Bournemouth, they're a big team when they play Everton. Chaos is a ladder. They drag themselves back in, as they always do against Everton. Uh, Marco Silva's huge progress, but we're still latently weak at set pieces. 2-2, my sense of theology, my newfound faith ended up in tatters. And, and maybe maybe the whole theological meaning. I know we have a lot of seminary students who listen to Men in Blazes. Please tell me what the theological meaning was because I don't want to believe that God is dead. Irrespective, under Big Sam, we always set up not to lose before kickoff with 11 men, often at home. Silver's team never seem more determined to win than when they're reduced to 10 men. So there's a courage, there's a will, there's a belief that he's instilling in this side, but it's going to be a process. And I'm saying this to you, New football fans who've joined Men in Blazers since the World Cup, particularly you new Everton fans, many of whom I persuaded to support the club. So it's on my shoulders. I just want to address you and say, remember, not losing is winning. And kids, don't duel. Um, how long does Richarlison get suspended for now, Rush? Uh, he's going to be out for three games. He's going to play for Brazil. Yes, a Brazilian international oh. is running around Goodison Park, which is hilarious to me i also want to say get well soon michael keat who fractured his skull horrifically at the end of the game we wish oh. you a speedy speedy recovery okay rog uh in mls sweet sweet eagle screech for a rivalry week 
which saw a series of massive results, including 1-1 draws in both New York <laughs> and the uh, LA Derbies, Rog. But the that? headline comes from Atlanta's 2-1 victory at Jamlando. All hail Joseph Martinez. 28 oh. goals, a new single-season MLS scoring record in just 26 games. And I oh. believe eight games left in the season. Just an astonishing achievement for the individual. The individual, Rog, our mate, the yeah. GFOP, Rog. Here's the, we were on stage with him in the Atlanta gig, and this is how I think about him on the field i was taking a selfie of him and dave out on the stage as we were on there and he stopped me and completely directed the way that i shot the on-stage selfie with him and you know as it turned out joseph martinez's photo was so much better than mine and that's yeah. how we think he's a true boss he loves atlanta atlanta loves him and he's affirmation for a brilliant strategy crafted by the club's brain trust invest your big money not in ageing superstars, but in young talent with a real upside. OK, your upcoming Premier League weekend looks like this. It begins at 7.30am Eastern Time on NBCSN with Leicester hosting Liverpool at 12.30 that afternoon on Network NBC. Manchester City look to rebound against Newcastle on Sunday. It's a big one uh, for Jose Rodge. United going away to Burnley, hoping to avoid their third loss on the spin. That's at 11am Eastern Time on NBCSN. I am going to take a shot of Jägermeister, David, a prophetic yeah. shot of Jägermeister, and look into the future to predict what is going to happen into one of these games. Hold on. It's a holiday weekend, Rog. Oh, it is a holiday weekend. The Jägermeister is telling me something odd. Yeah. It's not telling me that DeAndre Yedlin is going to score a hat-trick in the City game, and he's going to be the only goal scorer, and it's going to end up 2-1 to City. It's telling me that the smoke emanating from Chelsea, that Roman Abramovich is floating the notion of selling the club you love uh, and that he brought for like 250 million, was it, 15 years ago? And then pumped about $1.5 billion into it. He's taken on some merchant bankers to advise on the possibility of a $2.5 billion sale. And the Jägermeister is telling me, Dave, that maybe you're going to buy it because that's yeah, Dave money. It is Dave money. Well, do I have to sell a bit of property? <laughs> I have to like I have to cut back on my crew box habit, but I think I'm I'll be up there. I'll be contending. You could, you could sell some of the British Embassy Gardens, David. Develop yeah. them. Okay, there are many ways to connect to us, including our now extinct Amazon Emporium, which has transformed into the Many Places Boardmart Rock. Anytime you buy something big or small from the Boardmart, we get a tiny percentage that allows us to produce additional, albeit suboptimal, content. What are you putting in the Boardmart this week, Roger? A book. Oh, what a shock! Ohio by Stephen Markley an ambitious first-time novelist who has produced one of the most human novels I've read in a long, long time. It's located in a fictional Ohio town in the Rust Belt. The, the narrative kaleidoscopes backwards and forwards in time to tell the stories of four characters who grow up and mostly flounder there. It's not a perfect novel, but it does what a good book should, which just sucks you in to the extent that time not spent reading it feels like wasted time. And above all, what a good book does, and this one definitely does, it makes you think long after you have turned the final page. Highly, highly recommended. Uh, Rog, I'm not saying I've lost Pochettino weight. I haven't lost 20 to 25 LBs. You've gone down a shirt size, though, mate. I've I've gone down a shirt size, gone down a jacket size, gone down a pants size. It's amazing. And and it's it's, it's certainly my heavy crew box uh, schedule on the West Coast, my heavy... Training with my great mate, the Ninja, uh, on the on the East Coast is helping. But really, Rog, 
you got to give credit to the Renfo Bluetooth body fat scale I purchased for $23.79 from Amazon. <laughs> the Renfo smart scale, Rog, has yeah. a simple, sleek, and modern design. It comes in a classic black color. It's important. It's slimming. It makes it fit into any bathroom or bedroom. It has 11 key body composition analysis tools, Rog. Body weight, BMI, body fat percentage, water percentage, skeletal muscle. What I've been doing religiously every single day, Rog, is I've been measuring my BMI God. on this scale. It's not my weight, not anything. I just want to get my body mass index better, 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 better. I've dropped it now. I'm at 16.1. For a man of my age, man of my height, that's not bad. And that is I'm feeling in better shape. So go off, go and buy your body mass index scales. You'll be alarmed at the number you read. You'll then look it up and you'll realize, oh, my God, I'm actually technically obese. But then work on it, work on it, work on it, work it. Live a long life, GFOPs. Thanks to the... Bluetooth, body fat scale, $23.79 on Amazon from Renfo. I've got so many questions. Number one, yeah. remember, GFPs, you could be hit by a truck tomorrow, so just enjoy life. Number <laughs> yeah. two, do I have a BMI? Yes. Number three, this, this is a moment when I'm just like completely dumbstruck, not for the first time, but how different you and my approach to life is. Yeah. I, I, I have sworn to never step foot on a, a scale. <laughs> for the for the so I would become so obsessed with what it said it would just dominate my life so I do not do it but you grab that like a third rail oh, I have to I have to 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 have the energy I feel to just like get on with this life and work and family and career and my single life like everything was to have all this energy like I've got to train I've got to work out I've got to have a goal I've got to see numbers I've got to it's have amazing. stats this is Pochettino and Mourinho this is you are embracing I am repressing be like Dave do not be like Rog I will say the final question I had I said I had five this is my yeah. 12 I have to reveal this as I just did at the top Dave has gone down after decades as a large when we go on tour and that we work with local clubs they give us jerseys forever we've been like yeah two larges Dave is now gone down to a medium. How has that changed your identity, becoming a medium in football jersey after all this time? Because I find it mind-blowing. It's interesting. It does start to change. When you start buying medium, not large, and I, it does, you've got to get a little bit used to it because I do think of myself as a large man. But when you're suddenly buying a medium, and I am stealthy tall, as most uh, GFOPs who meet me always say, they say yeah. you're stealthy tall, it's way enormous. less bald in person. Enormous. But it's a... But becoming a medium, it's good. I like... Fit, I, I have more energy when I feel lighter, Rog. My goal for 2019 is to try and hit that X, get the first X added onto my large. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll see. Maybe a double. It doesn't really count until you're a double XL, Rog. Okay, you can follow us on Twitter at Men Blazers, at Embassy Davies, at Rog Bennett. Uh, on Instagram, at Men Blazers, at Embassy underscore Davies. On Facebook, Men and Blazers. You can always send your ravens to the crap part of Soho. You can always email us at meninblazers at gmail.com. Buy our book. It is called the Encyclopedia Blazer Tanaka. It's really good. You should buy it for yourself if you don't have it. Buy it for your new football-loving friends. Uh, it's available at all good booksellers, including uh, one that rhymes with Wamazon. It's everything we know about football, and it's shockingly longer than three pages. <laughs> Vendorpunk Rog. War pig. Who wants to sex Matumbo? I like snacks. Balls win, balls win. Take that, Gloria. Balls lose. Oh, for the last time this year, to see a sucker. Abrigado, rock on, mate. Kung fu fight in America. Love you, Davo. Love you, Rog. Dogs out, dogs out, dogs out. Dogs, dogs out. <laughs> I'm thick too, Morris. I'm thick of your moaning. <laughs> Love you, Davo. Love you. <laughs>